dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. The Gospels give us many ways that Jesus addresses his word to the people. Amongst the most popular are parables. These little stories or comparisons help us to understand the deeper message Jesus is trying to convey. But do they have anything to say to us who are trying to lead? In this first of a three-part series, we begin to unpack some of Jesus' parables to find the specific message they have for us. And we begin by understanding that God is calling us to lead. I'm really excited to be back with you again and to have this opportunity to go back to the Bible, right? We've done a lot in leadership. We've done a lot of talks on the saints, on different teachings from the church. And, but there's nothing quite as wonderful as unpacking the scriptures and going into God's holy word to find the, the nourishment that we need and the understanding that we want to gain for how to live our life and, and, and I want to make sure to, you know, situate this properly for you. This is, you are all leading. You are all in your families. You're in your workspace. Uh, and in our culture today, in our world, we feel the need, right, for people to stand up and to begin to give an influence from what's good in their hearts out into a world that's waiting for that revelation. You know, just the other day, I was at a restaurant uh, in, a, in a major U.S. city, and my, my waitress asked me, well, why are you dressed the way that you're dressed? You know, she was very respectful about it. And she said, you know, I, I, I just have no idea. Can you just explain to me why you're wearing this garb? What, what is it that you're wearing? And of course, like I, you know, I'm, I'm wearing my, my religious garb. And, and so I said, well, I'm a Roman Catholic priest. And this girl wasn't quite sure what a Roman Catholic priest was. And that, that would, of course, astounded me because you kind of assume that everyone in the culture today understands that. And, and so I, 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 I was able to explain to her just that I'd given everything to Jesus and that I followed Jesus Christ. And it almost was like good news for her. She, she hadn't really met someone who was professing that in so public a way. And this was a, a woman in her 20s, right? And it said, I thought that was a really beautiful story because it just reminded me that the people around us are watching us. They're watching the way that we live and the way that we speak and they're waiting for a good word, a good example, someone to tell them that there is a way to go in life. Sometimes you even wonder, what, I wonder what people do who don't know Jesus. Like, how do you even make it through life without thinking of eternal life? Or what's your sense of friendship or relationship if you don't have God present in your life? You know, because we take him for granted, right? But we shouldn't. Instead, we need to constantly remember that every blessing that God gives to us, especially the blessing of faith, for example, he gives so that we can share it. He gives, he blesses us so that then he can use us to bless the world. 
And to, that, that, that gives us a different optic. Instead of looking at our culture, looking at the world geopolitics and saying everything is going so badly, there's, you know, the evil is on the rise. There's so many things that I hear being said all the time. I mean, you can look at things that way if you want to, but you could also flip it on its head and say this world is in desperate need for what the church offers, right? This world is in desperate need for what the disciples of Christ know which is the redeeming and saving power of a God whose love is stronger than evil and whose mercy is greater and bigger than sin. And therefore, we can re uh, confront all of the forms and situations of evil that are in the world and all the ways that we can be disappointed and we can disappoint other people and we can confront it with this message of hope, this word of hope, right? Which is that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that he has saved us and that he's bigger than everything that's going to come at us and that's going to come and happen to the world. That he holds the whole world in his hand. This is the Christian message. And if, and if that message isn't resounding in the world, it's not God's fault. Let me just say this. Like, he gave us that word written down in the Bible. He gave us that word that he incarnated in his own life. He lived the resurrection in the flesh of Jesus Christ, his son, right? He gives us that then and trusts it to the church, to us, the members of Christ, to give that message out and to make it effective and to bring it into society. So the problem, therefore, is, isn't that the word isn't true. And the problem isn't that Jesus hasn't already fulfilled it. The problem is that there's not a bridge. The bridge between Jesus and everyone in the world is through the leaders that he has called and baptized and endowed with his grace in order to effectuate that mission. And that's why the St. John Leadership Network, what we're trying to do, we're trying to raise you up to lead, to bring the holy ones of God, to bring that message effectively into our world today. And so I'm just thrilled that you're here and, and able to take this in. So whether it's in family, whether it's in society, whether it's in the workplace, you know, all, all these places require the same thing from us, that we step up and step into the zones of influence that we have and that we allow God to use us to make his influence known and his impact given to our world today. Okay, that, that's what it's all about. So the way that I want to do this is getting really excited about this little series that we're doing, a little mini-series right here on the parables. Because in the Word of God, the parables are, are things that capture our imagination. If I was to speak with people on the street about the Bible, they're going to remember the parables. They're going to say, oh, I remember the Good Samaritan, right? Or I remember the fact that you shouldn't, you know, you should first remove the log from your own eye before you remove the speck from your brother's eye, right? Or they'll remember the, the, the story of the, of, of the prodigal son. Of course, who could forget that? Or that Jesus went out looking for lambs that were lost. You know, he, he never went out looking for lambs. <laughs> There's no place in the Bible that says that Jesus went looking for sheep, you know. And yet we've got even statues of Jesus with a sheep over his shoulders, right? And it's because of a parable that he told. Right? Parables are these little stories. It comes from the Greek word parabole, which means to, to, to throw next to something. So as you have a reality, you, which is like, I don't know, you could think of any, a flower, right? If you did a parable, you would throw a comparison to the flower. A flower is like the smile of my daughter in the morning, 
right? Okay, well, that's a parable in, in, you know, in a strict sense of the word. I'm making a comparison. I'm throwing an image beside another image. Right? Well, so Jesus uses parables. He's giving us stories or images that cast light by comparison onto a reality that he's trying to describe to us, right? And so looking at these, I mean, there's, it, it's wonderful just to look at them in the Bible. And we see that there's about 40 different references and parables, 40 of them, I mean, in, in the four gospels. So if you put, on average, there's 10 per gospel. That's a lot. There's actually a line in scripture that say that Jesus only spoke to the crowds in parables. And without parables, he did not speak to the crowds, right? So this was a chosen device that Jesus used when he was teaching, well, the, the, the vast multitudes of people. When he needed to give a message that could be understood by everybody, he used this particular form of speech, right? And so looking at them, of course, is very educational for us because we're trying also, right, to give a word that everyone can understand, right? And so if we're going to do that, well, where in the Bible can we find things that Jesus himself said everyone can understand this and we find ourselves in the parables, and what I want to do is apply the parables to, to you as leaders to help you to see the encouragement and the, and the teaching of Jesus Christ directed towards you to help you to do your job even better, to be that bridge between the Lord and his salvation and the people that are waiting for it and to be that even more effectively, right? So to get that guidance and that teaching, let's look at the parables together, right? We're going to find that there's three main messages that we want to bring out today. First is that you are wanted by God. Second, that you are a blessing to the world. And the third is how we're going to actually be called to lead, and that's by giving ourselves. Would you like to hear more from Father Nathan? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a two-minute glance at the gospel every Sunday morning right to your phone. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. I just love reading the Bible and I, and, and, and I think we all should. I think it's something we don't talk about enough. I mean, the Bible is the infallible word of God breathed by God himself, inspired, right, by the Holy Spirit to give all the truth that we need for salvation. And the Catholic Church will actually teach this in a beautiful way. It's in Dei Verbum from Second Vatican Council where the, the church actually says, everything you eat that we need to know for salvation is contained in the scriptures. And there's nothing that we need to know for salvation that's not contained in the scriptures. Now, of course, we who are Catholics, we, we embody that scripture in and in, in interpret it within the tradition that we've received all the way from the first apostles, right? And we can even look at scripture as a form of tradition, as the handing down of the faith in writing. And we, we understand that the scriptures lead us to an encounter with the living Christ that we have through our sacraments, right? But for all, for all that, it doesn't change the fact that the scriptures have a, very, a great value that's unique to them in that they present to us the Word of God in writing. So it's, it, it's a link to the living Word of God, who is Jesus, but given to us through the writings that we've compiled into the Bible and that we can rely upon these writings for all truth. We can know God by knowing the Scriptures. There's a St. Jerome who even said that once. He said that ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. Now, that's obviously a big deal because we want to know Christ. We all want to know him. Well, then we need to turn to the scriptures. 
Or I think of what St. Leo, Pope St. Leo said. He said that when we read the scriptures, we're hearing or listening to the heartbeat of God. And I think it's awesome because so many people today are wondering, where can I find God? Where do I go in order to know God, to discover him? And I want to say, you'd go to the Bible. Now, of course, there's other places you can go, especially the tabernacle, the mass, all those wonderful things. But the Bible, the Bible gives us the word of God. It's the heartbeat of God. And to learn to love it and to feed on it. Well, it actually says in the Bible that all the knowledge that we want, or all the wisdom of God, it can be expressed there and found there. It's useful for teaching and for refutation. And, and this is what we're using it for today. Because we're leaders, we have a task in front of us to be good Christians in the workplace, right? To be good Christians as business owners, to be good Christians to our people, to be good Christians in our families. And being a good Christian means to be an instrument of Christ, to be a member of his body, right? A part of his body by which he reaches out to the world. And so we say, well, how do I do that? What does that look like? And so I want to look at the parables uh, today and just some of them, right? There's, there's about 40 parables in total. Depends on how you count them, right? But yeah, that's a lot. And I want to look at especially a few of them that, that, that reaffirm to us that leadership is desired by God, right? So the very first thing some of us do is we say, well, I don't want to lead. I, I'm not called to lead. I don't want to make a difference. I'm scared of making a difference. I'm scared of what other people will say about me. I'm scared of the different consequences that can come my way, right? And all of that's very understandable, right? It's a scary thing to lead. And sometimes it can be a lonely thing, right? But at the same time, if we don't lead, well, then no one will know where to follow. Just really common sense. If we're trying to bring a world to God, then somebody has got to do that. And, and, and you've been given that grace, because of the positions that you occupy in society, I mean, some of you are very successful people. Some of you are, have great um, positions of power. Well, then how can we make those come alive for the gospel? Well, the very first one I'm thinking of is Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 23, where Jesus tells us about a sower who went out to sow. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred or sixty or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. This is really an amazing parable because in it, it really describes the fact that the fruit that the plant is going to bear depends upon the seed that, you know, that was sown, which depends upon the soil that it lands in. But the fact that the seed landed in the soil depends upon the sower, right? Like there has to be someone who casts the seed to be to, in, under the soil for it to bear fruit, right? And that someone is you. Without you, there would be no presence of the body of Christ there where you are. Each one of us needs to look at our family and our, and our situation in society as a mission field. I've been sent there to sow a seed, to bring the life of God and make it present there where I am. What a powerful way of looking at yourself. Or again, take a look at Matthew 24, 45. He says, who is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? 
right? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? To think that there's a master, right? It's obviously the Lord. And then that their servants, which is one thing, and that those servants, well, they need food. They need to be fed. And so he entrusts uh, all of the servants to the one whom the master puts in charge of the servants, right? So as Christ looks at the world, he's like, I have many servants. I need someone to make sure that my servants are taken care of. He institutes leadership. So the hierarchy of the church is an example of that leadership, right? But that hierarchy is extended, of course, in your own families. And in the world, the hierarchy, of course, is the body of Christ. So you, you, have, you play a valuable role. Jesus wants to bless the many through the sum. And you are the sum. That's the leadership, right? He does the same thing in, in Mark chapter 13, where he says, the kingdom of God is like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge each with their assigned tasks and tells the one at the door to keep watch, right? Everybody's got their task. Everybody's got their role in the world. Some are dads, some are business owners, some are professionals, some are single people, some are working at the library, some are healthcare providers. But every one of them has been given that task by the master, by the owner of the house. And he's given them until he returns to labor on his behalf. Leadership is wanted by Christ. And I, I love to remind us of that because we have too, far too many anonymous Christians, right? Walking around, acting like they don't matter. <laughs> and to say that, I mean, like, what a beautiful thing in the parable to hear. You do matter. That your role in society matters. Your role in your family matters. That you're willed by God. Like, allow your heart to be opened by that word. He's left his household in the charge of his servants and each one has their own task. So let us therefore work right confidently until his return. Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network where Father Nathan hosts a 30 minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org slash member and join for free today. So looking at the parables of Christ, and especially from the lens of leadership and, and how they speak to us about leadership, um, we, we, we can see, I mean, Jesus institutes this thing. He, he wants leaders from the sower to the master who's in charge of his household to, you know, the servants that, that he puts in his house. These different stories or little parables that he gives, they reaffirm that leadership is something that God wants, right? But at the same time, and this was so wonderful about this, is that the reason he wants it is so that the leaders give his blessing to the world. Let's look together, for example, at Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under the bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What a, what a beautiful message, right, from the Lord. Right to you. I mean, who, who am I? You'd say, well, I, I don't want to stand out. I don't want to shine my light. I, and be careful about that. Sometimes we, we feel like, well, we don't want to be proud. We don't want to draw attention to ourselves. Well, yes, I mean, like, light doesn't draw attention to itself. Light is that by which other people can see. 
But if the, so if the, if the lights aren't turned on, you can't see anything. When they are turned on, well, light's kind of invisible. Right? But without it, you couldn't see. So it's very important that the light shine, right? So that the lights be turned on, that you give the influence that you want to give in the world, that you shine the, the, the gifts that you have so that thereby other people can be inspired. But that doesn't mean that you're drawing the attention to yourself. If you don't want to draw attention to yourselves, don't. Draw attention to God, right? Draw attention to the beauty that's in the world. Draw attention to hope. But for heaven's sakes, don't hold back from drawing attention to the good things that are there. And when we lead, we have to do that every single day. The decisions that we make in the workplace on a daily basis. We can either work well or we can work poorly. The choice is ours. But if we work well, everyone around us benefits. And if we work poorly, everyone around us suffers. Right? So that let your light shine means do your job and do it well. But don't hold back and say that it doesn't matter. No, you are, as he says, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. He repeats the same thing or very similar in Mark chapter 4, verse 21. He says, uh, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? No, instead you put it on its stand. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. And then he goes on to say, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Okay, so Jesus is really making it very clear here. It's, it's, it's really not about you. It's about what God wants to do through you. But to do that, you got to accept to shine, right? And, and, and not think that your gifts weren't meant as a blessing for others. So of course, there's times and places for everything and there's a time to be quiet and, and a time to be still and all of that. I get it. But fundamentally, I've been sent on this world for a mission. And that mission is of vital importance because it's God's work through me. So well, what am I supposed to do, right? And that leads us to our third point here. Well, what am I supposed to do with myself? If I look at the parables, well, he actually kind of teaches us what we're supposed to do. Let's look, for example, at Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Go ahead and turn your Bibles. Word of God, Matthew 25, verse 14. He says, It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went off on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Well, we all know what happens. When he comes back, God rewards the one who has ten, five, ten bags. Now he received five and made five more. And he gives him ten cities. And the same thing with the, the two. Jesus rewards him with, with many things, he says. And then the one who had received one bag of gold came. And he said, Master, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Right? So the story is very clear. It can kind of stun us a little bit, right? Because, but it's, it's very clear. How do I lead? I lead by putting at the service of the mission that I have all of the gifts and the talents that I've been given. 
So it's, it's kind of amazing that God has made it so that by saving other people, we actually save ourselves. I mean, we grow in who we are. We grow in our understanding of who, and, and our, we expand even on, on, on what God gave us in our talents. So one of the easiest steps to, to take when you're trying to be a better leader or better, more effective is to get in touch with the wonderful way that God made you. The fearful and wonderful way, to quote Psalm 139, that God made you. There was a, a poll done amongst Americans. Who, how many Americans could say three things that really made them special? Three things about themselves where they were particularly strong. And only 15% of our population could identify three things. Only 15%. 88.5 people out of 10 were incapable of identifying what makes them wonderful. Well, it's obvious. I mean, if you don't know if a knife is sharp, you're not going to use it, right? If you don't know, you know, what a, a drill can do, you're not going to drill anything with it. Well, if you don't know your own greatness, you certainly aren't going to serve with it. And what happens? We neutralize everything. Everyone becomes mediocre. I mean, if you're a great listener, that's a gift. If you're a great organizer, that's a gift. If you're a careful person, that's a gift. If you're really good at making things start, that's a gift. If you're an encourager, that's a gift. There's all kinds of great things about us. Do you know what they are about you? Well, to the degree that you do, you're going to be more apt to put those into service. And I want to summon that on behalf of Christ. He has given everyone talents. It's true. Some have 10. And you'd be like, wow, that's amazing. Some only have, you know, five. That's also amazing. But, you know, some only have one. You could say, I'm a very simple person. I, everyone has gifts. And the judgment here that Jesus gives isn't on who has more. The, the judgment is on, did you try to serve me by putting yourself on the line in your leadership? Isn't that what, by what he means when he says, the measure with which you measure, we measured back to you. Or in another place where he says, to whom much has been given, much will be expected. And it's not to scare us. It's to say how important we are. Right? Jesus isn't there to condemn people left and right. Jesus is there to, to summon us to be real about our love for him. And being real about love for somebody, it means sharing who you are with them. Well, share who you are with the world. Give your intelligence, your discipline, your grit. I mean, we deal with business leaders all the time. We spend their time developing themselves by your coaching and your seminars and your workshops. And that's very good. We need that so that you can lead better. And I'd like to see you give all of that that you've developed in yourself even more effectively to this world. Don't hold back the great light that God has given you. Let it shine. That's what we see in the parables. That's what we see throughout the Bible because it's what we see in Jesus himself who gave everything, even to his body and blood for us in the Eucharist. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at communications at stjohninstitute.org. That's communications at stjohninstitute.org. And visit www.stjohninstitute.org and sign up for our newsletter to receive updates from Father Nathan.